Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to The Gold Derby Show on The Gold Derby Podcast Network. Welcome back to Gold Derby. Chris Rosen. I'm joined by Joyce St. Joyce. Uh, this one is music to my ears. We're focusing on music. Is it? Because it's, I have a lawnmower going on, so I, it's not music to my ears. <laughs> my neighbor's not the lawnmower. <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what soundtrack the lawnmower is on, uh, but no, we're talking about music because last week, Joyce, uh, you and I, it was a national holiday for us on Friday. We're recording this on Tuesday. On Friday, the Succession Season 3 score finally came out. Our boy Nicholas Bertel, and he brought it hard, Joyce. It's it's a fantastic score. He did. How many times have you listened to it? Multiple times. It is honestly, I was like, it's the best of his three uh, scores so far. I, I think every track is, is dope. Yeah, he just won ones up. He's in a competition with himself, really. I was wait. I've been waiting for this for so long because the music in season three, I felt like of Succession, which we haven't really talked about that much. Like we said, we spent all our time during the the movie awards uh, season talking about Succession. Now that we're actually talking about the Emmys, we're like. Well, Succession, we already talked about, but it is still my favorite show. And it is listening to the score. I was like, oh, man, this is why Succession is so much better than all these other shows. <laughs> it's so good. It's just so good. Um, what is your favorite track? I like the Raid. Uh, I forget what Same. it's called, but the Raid one is great. That is, And it, the thing I love about his score, I mean, this happens in like all scores, but with this, with the Bertel one for Succession season three, is like I'm being placed right back into the scenes. And so the raid is the end of season, I think it's episode, I guess three, three, right? Is it three? Yeah. And uh, so Kendall has just been, you know, gotten knocked down by Shiv releasing a letter about how terrible he is as a, as a human being and, and a father. And then he finds out the Waystar is getting raided and we have this great moment where it's just like him sitting there and, and it it just is so perfect. And this this track is awesome. I just love it so much. And then the number two most listened to for me is uh, Kendall's cover of Honesty by uh, Billy. Obviously. Jill, which is just, yeah. That was actually the first track I listened to on Friday. I was like, I'm just going straight to Honesty. <laughs> so I did not listen. To, I, I listened to it. I did listen to it, I think, either first or second as well. The thing that I was so excited about was that it's the full song. I thought it was, you know, a lot of times you do these kind of things. It's like a novelty, let's say. It's maybe only going to be like one verse in the chorus, right? It's the whole thing. Yeah. I feel like he, um, like Jeremy Strong, was like more comfortable recording this time because they had to convince him in season two to, well, rapping is also different, but they had to like convince him to do Elton OG. Um, And he recorded that. That was on season two soundtrack so yeah it's 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 a, a nice uh ender to the soundtrack is his cover his billy joel cover no uh no song from tiny wu-tang though very sad no tiny wu-tang maybe next season i guess yeah bring them back you know every now now that we've established this uh run we we need a a, a song from jeremy strong every season now absolutely i was thinking the same thing i was like well they have to do it now right because yeah. he did the rap obviously last season um, 
it's just a remarkable score. It's so great. You can, if you're watching this, you could just, I would just go listen to it on uh, Spotify or any streaming service that you subscribe to, because it is way worth, worth it. Uh, so that would be one of our certainly top favorites to win uh, for original score, right? So he, like, Nicholas Patel has won an Emmy for Succession for main title theme, obviously, iconic yes. theme. But he has not actually won for the score, the, the category music composition for a series. Right. Because he lost um, two years ago to Ludwig Gorenson for Mandalorian, who has won the past two years. Mm-hmm. So... Ludwig has beaten Nick at the Oscars and the Emmys now. So, so Ludwig is, is the Kathy Bates, Nicholas Bertel's Julia Roberts. Wow. Uh, but Mando is not eligible this year. So this is Nick's time. <laughs> it is Nick's time, though. I will say the Book of Boba Fett score, which Ludwig had a hand in but did not do completely, is awesome. But not as awesome as Succession, I would say. Listen, my, my like we've, we've had two straight years of Mando. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's time to move on from Star Wars. <laughs> Other other scores, Joyce, that you were excited about. We haven't really talked about this in real life, but I, I spent, I know you've been spending a lot of time listening to these and I just listened to them as well. Uh, I'll throw out one and then and you tell me. I also have been very obsessed with the uh, Severance uh, score, which is, I think, by Theodore Shapiro, I believe. Let me take a look there. Um, I just love it so much. The theme it's, is yeah, it's a good, I don't know if I would nominate that one, but yeah, it's, it's decent. Um, my, I would definitely nominate Loki, the Loki score. Also great. Love the, I would, I would want it to win if it weren't going up against succession. <laughs> so, uh, that's Natalie, uh, Natalie Hill. I talked to her two weeks ago. Oh, um, look at you're pulling a me, Joyce. I know, but you know, I, I, I am not, well, I mean, we don't have the music categories up anyway, no. so. Yeah, so I think they'll be there after ballots in June. We usually do those, right? I don't know. We we don't have them. So, not yeah. yet, but soon. Yeah, I think score is one. I I know music and lyrics is one, but I don't know if scores. Uh, of- love the love the Loki score. Love the theremin. It was it's very uh, it's very unique. I would say from the Marvel perspective, I think it's like I. No offense to any of the other scores on any of the other shows, but none of them really stand out to me. I think the Moon Knight score is solid, um, but the Loki one is very memorable. And I think much like the show to me, which was the most memorable Marvel show, probably since WandaVision, uh, the score is also in there. I'm very big fan of that one. Yeah. And it really just, it, it feels timeless and also haunting in a way and very befitting the show, which is kind of like lost in time and space mm-hmm. <laughs> really. Um, and yeah, I love everything she did with it. Like, and the way she distorts the sounds, like, the theremin and like she she explains like what she did and how um like the the instruments she used and stuff to to make it sound less polished mm-hmm. really like the main theme is great so i hope she gets in for both like the the music composition and like the main theme um yeah like the tva score which she originally composed as kang's theme which makes mm-hmm. sense because he's responsible mm-hmm. for everything yeah um, but like the main Kang theme is a little bit more like aggressive because he's, you know, a, a darker side to it. So, but the, the main TVA theme, I think is my favorite, maybe because I've listened to that the most, but I definitely, when, yeah. when the show is on, I remember being like Loki season one score when basically, cause it's just so good. And they finally, so good. yeah. Like she needs to be nominated. So yeah, yeah. those, it, those it, are my top two succession. Those are my, those are really good ones, uh, as well. Uh, I also, so We'll talk about actually uh, 
putting a pin on Marvel because we'll come back later, Joyce, and talk about Doctor Strange, which has a great score from Danny. That, that, that's a TV show. <laughs> it's not a not it's not a TV show. It's it's a movie. Um, I will say switching genres though, the after party, love our boy uh Daniel Pemberton's score. Again, a really creative score because it's working in multiple genres. And obviously the show is a different thing. So it's an action show, it's a comedy, it's a musical, and there's actually original songs, which we'll talk about here as well. But I was listening last night and it's like all of this score, the score is so inventive to me because it does such a great job of like affecting the genre or like re you know, like recreating the genre. So like the thriller one, that's the Alana Glazer episode, which is more like a psychological thriller, maybe from the nineties. It felt really like, like a, one of those, like, you know, Jerry Goldsmith scores or whatever. It just was like really strong. I feel like he does a great job of like doing that kind of sound and it is very listenable as well. So I'm a big fan of that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, Cause it there's, but there's also like a similar through line like a, a motif in, in the score throughout all the episodes as well. So he just adapts it to whatever genre mm-hmm. the episode is. Yeah. A great yeah. theme. Uh, love that theme as well. Uh, another one I was very hot on was uh, Euphoria's score. You would be. <laughs> great. Labyrinth does the music yeah. for it. There's a couple of original song options in that as well. Uh, it would be interesting to see what they submit for song. So they have a Zendaya song and I think they have another, uh, Another song from, I forget the character's name, but there's another one in the finale. And then I think there's also a Lana Del Rey song. It's an original yeah. song. So there's a lot of different things. Uh, Dominic Fick uh, had the song, Elliot's song from the finale of Euphoria. So there's a lot of music there, uh, but I love the score. I think it's really great. The Labyrinth score is so good. And like, again, affects the mood and is maybe a little unexpected for the show. I just think in general, I really enjoy that. Um, you know, what else do you think, Joyce? What, what other ones were you highlighting? Um, I like the Only Murders in the Building score. Great score. It, 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 in this, I'm obviously similar to After Party, both uh, comedy murder mysteries, but it's, it's, it's very delightful. I don't know. That's like how I would describe it. Really fun. And another one that I think affects, but doesn't recreate, it doesn't like copy, but does like, I think only murders is very much in the vein of like a spoof ish of serial, yeah. right? Like in like yeah. the famous serial score was like part of the reason I think that podcast was so like prevalent. Like the, the opening bars. <laughs> and uh, the only murders one really does a nice job of like kind of recalling that without duplicating it, I guess. I, I find that really, I find that one fun. Uh, a couple other ones I was like enthralled by. We didn't talk about white Lotus is a great uh, theme. Certainly. I feel like that one is, was one of the stickier ones over the last summer. And I was very enthralled by a lot of the scammer music shows choice. So uh, we crash music. I thought was great, really kind of fun, had a little bit of, it reminded me a lot of the Steve Jobs score that Daniel Pemberton did. And specifically like uh, I forget the track, but there's one specific track, very scintillating stuff here. Um, I'll Google it, but uh, I was are like, you, are you going to play 10 seconds of it? I'm not going to play it. Cause yeah, I don't know if I can uh, die. <laughs> I don't know if we can. Hang on. Let me see. We're going to get sued. <laughs> no, we can get sued probably, but uh, where is it? The Skylab plan. If you're watching this, I'm not going to play it, but go Google the Skylab plan. <laughs> Daniel Pemberton's Steve Jobs score. That's a lot like the, the We Crash score. I was also into this one. I actually interviewed this person, Joyce, so totally the scam is in. But Brendan Angelides, who did uh, the music for Super Pumped, not just Pearl Your Jam. Your favorite show. 
my favorite show, not just Pearl Jam songs, but also uh, some really moody electronic heavy scoring from Brendan Angelides, which is a great contrast to the needle drops. To me, it reminded, it sounded like like John Carpenter-esque, like something you would have heard in like The Thing or Halloween or Escape from New York. And I find that really compelling uh, in the in the show. And then uh, Winning Time, another fave for me, has a, a score from uh, our boy Nikki Bertel and Robert Glasper. Um, who did the music together? Uh, again, pretty pretty great stuff. Though that show, I feel like, is more reliant on its needle drops and music supervision than its score. Yeah, music supervision is actually a very packed category this year. <laughs> yeah, what a what a what a segue, Joyce. We have so many options, and I mean, I know you you recently burned through uh, Yellow Jackets. I did. I finished that over the weekend. Yeah, um, and I think the highlight for me, or the the most memorable part for me, other than like the the twist and turns is the the nineties music, just living it up. Give me all the nineties jams. Like I think I was like texting you every time one came up. I was like collective soul. <laughs> Pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a great. Uh, love the nineties jams on that one. Uh, one of the shows I, that one I don't rem- I don't remember being that annoyed by some an- anachronistic needle drops in that one though. I don't know how perfectly. Uh, they they kind of matched it up. Some of the shows did not do the best it, job of uh, it. Yellow Jackets was pretty accurate. And yeah. I think a lot of them were pre-96. Um, right. So. Some of the shows like, uh, so Pam and Tommy, great music, but kind Steal of my like. my sunshine. Kind of like molded it into the night. It, it reminded me of, if you remember the Adam Sandler movie, The Wedding Singer Choice. That movie took love place. Love The Wedding in, Singer. Love the movie. It's a great movie, but it took place in the. It, it, it takes place in like basically the eighties. And so like, there's no rhyme or reason to like the needle drops because it just is like, we're just recreating the eighties, even though it takes place whatever year, I think 87 or 89 or whatever it is. Uh, it's not necessarily uh, does not have a lot of fidelity to the, the, when the, uh, when the songs came out and with Pam and Tommy, very similarly, like where it's like steal my sunshine is, is scoring a great, uh, a great moment for Pam. Uh, but it came out like, two years later or something, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. Or I love fool was one actually that that was another one where it was like, it came out. Love like fool, I just later. associate with Romeo and Juliet, obviously See. Bob Lerman's William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Love it. Uh, <laughs> and I, I associate with listening. Uh, it was a big Z 100 hit my freshman year. Uh, so that we listened to that one a lot. Love fool. Like great, huge. great time. Um, yes. Uh, anachronistic songs. It, it also bothered me in the dropout, even though yes. I love the songs they included. Yes, there were some anachronistic Yeah, like I think we've discussed this before with Firework um, and Katy Perry and, you know, Alan Ruck singing Firework. Great scene, love it, love the use of it. But that scene takes place in March, 2010 and Teenage Dream, the album on which Firework appears was not released until August 24th. Right. And then they did the same thing with Jealous. Um, and also they they like fudged the dates of um, Elizabeth's birthday because she she has a February birthday. But like that episode, like her birthday party was like the day after Thanksgiving. I'm like, what's going on here? There's it, it, this is a, this is a tangent, but we'll just I'll just go on this tangent. It is interesting to me how many of the shows that are like this is, I think, beyond the scammer thing, like a lot of it shows in fact, are, yeah. are fact based. But they are all, and they're fact based on things that people re- are remember. You know what I mean? Like it's like or you, you can remember. just look up. And there are a lot of like little tweaks, like you were just mentioning, that are like like little white lies or whatever they are. You know what I mean? It's just is like oh, like like Winning Time has that where it's like they just change like the score by like 
one or two points and like a, I think it was like the Lakers Celtics game that they highlighted earlier in the season. And it just is like, I, I'm totally fine with them taking creative license on all these shows, but when it's like those specific things, I would just love to know, like, how come, what's the, how does that decision process work where you're like, we're going to tweak this slightly enough to make people who know it notice basically, but yeah. like the regular person wouldn't like, who would know, I wouldn't know the final score of a Lakers game versus the Celtics from 1980. But certain people might. And then when they see that, they're going to be like, wait, also, why did you change? Even if you don't know it, you could just Google that. And, right. and it's like, it's like the question is like, why did you change it when this is like something that happened in real life? This is not like a private conversation. We don't know like anything about. Right. Uh, and I'm fine. Like I said, I'm fine with creative license. I think it's yeah. fine. And like a lot of these shows are doing that and it works for the drama, you know, like it, with winning time, just back, like I'm only thinking of that because I just recently watched it. It's like, the way this last, the, this was the penultimate episode, Joyce. I know you watched the, the finale. The finale is on this week, but uh, in this episode, Spencer Haywood uh, gets t- thrown off the team uh, because of his drug use and stuff. And the players vote, and it ends up being Kareem Abdul Jabbar cast the final vote. And it's a great scene, actually, and like a great moment in the show. But in real life, it happened slightly differently, where he was actually fell asleep in practice. Paul West, uh, Paul West had uh, basically kicked him off the team. And then, uh, it was during the NBA finals, not before. So it's like, those are like little tweaks, but it, I think for the show that they're, the story they're telling, the way they tweaked it is really creatively fulfilling because I think- Yeah, like that, that, that I don't really yeah. mind because no. if it's the story, but like, yeah, like changing the score, that type of stuff is weird to me. Like they did that in King Richard with yes. Venus and Man. like the score line. I'm like, there's no need <laughs> to change this. It is like, fun. It is fun. how it unfolded. <laughs> And it's funny because we have like, we're, I think the audience is a lot more plugged in because a lot of the stuff now is stuff that we remember, right? Like, or that you're telling mm-hmm. stories that are like in recent history. It's not like you're going back to like the 1940s or something or whatever. And who's, who remembers back then, right? Certainly. Yeah. But like, you know, yeah. So like that type of stuff bothered me, but like the, the music in the dropout is very effective. Awesome. So I, like Love I would so totally much. nominate for music supervision because I think it, it accomplished what it set out to do, even though the songs weren't released at that time. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. I love the music in it. I'll give you another score just to double back before we go back more for music version. I love uh, another one of my faves, Joyce, The Offer. Love the score. Uh, Isabella Summers, who is in Florence and the Machine, uh, did the music. I'll say why. Here's why I love it. Because oh, you finished God- you finished the whole show. I haven't finished the whole thing yet. So here's why I love it. The Godfather is obviously the, one of the greatest music scores of all time, instantly recognizable. And the show, uh, I think there's a world where you could have just that's a daunting task for a composer. They don't really recreate it all. They play the original Godfather music in it, but the music from the show or for the show is totally separate from that. And I find it really it's just really listenable and like very much it's very fun, I think, for the show. And it's a good main theme. So just a plug for the offer score. I don't know if it's uh, going to go go far, but I, I enjoyed it. And I thought Isabella Summers was really good. Um, <laughs> what other ones we got, Joyce? Music supervision-wise? Music supervision. Um, there are, I mean, you, you could even say We Crash with uh, more, more Katy Perry. More Katy Perry and a lot of like great, like, I feel like the We Crashed ones are, are good because it's not a lot of like, it's not like a lot of pop hits or it's just, it's a, uh, it's not the not the obvious songs, let's say. You know what I mean from that era. Well, I think speaking it fits of pop hits, uh, Bridgerton. Right. Bridgerton is great. Uh, uh, Minx, I thought was another good one with a lot of like seventies uh, needle drops that were very effective. Yeah. Um, at Atlanta, 
does that like reservation dogs mm-hmm. um i'm assuming stranger things will do so stranger things i imagine the the score also and i think it's interesting that a lot of the stranger things score like i said it's like you hear it in these other scores i find like certainly super pumped i thought it was like of of a of a piece and, and euphoria i think too yeah, so like Maisel has won this how many times? Multiple times. Let me see. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it wasn't last year. I may destroy you one music supervision because Maisel wasn't around. Yeah. So Maisel, so this category started in 2017. Yeah. Big Little Lies won the first one, deserved win. Great, great soundtrack. And then Maisel won three in a row, which wow. you know, like great music supervision on that show, but I don't know if it needs to win three. When there are just a ton of shows with equally amazing music supervision. Um, and it kind of feels lazy just to name check it. And then what um, one last year? No, last year wasn't eligible. Last year was I May Destroy You. Right. So, but it's back this year, obviously. So they could no. just go back to it. They could, I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I, it's interesting that it's like outside of Maisel, the other two are very contemporary soundtracks. So it's, you don't really know what is actually going to. Well, they could just nominate. Pop. Um, former nominees again because so so last year was a lot of um so last year was wandavision queen's gambit lovecraft halston and the crown which are not back and i may destroy you is obviously so last year only bridgerton can return but then two years ago we had Maisel, better call saul which is back euphoria which is back insecure which is back killing eve which is back stranger things which is back and Watchmen which is not back so they could just nominate 20 and they like probably additional nominee. I could see them doing that, honestly, uh, for a lot of these. I, I was just thinking of one, too, that was good. Oh, Winning Time, the music supervision, I think, is, again, another when you're like loading up on like 80s and 70s hits. It's it's a good it's a good. It's, good a, it's a good nostalgia play. We're every week. Yeah. With yeah. Nostalgia. Um, how about original songs? Joyce? We were mentioning earlier uh, the after party. They have three. And they're all bangers, and I think they oh, should all get two shots. Is is so the the third episode is musicals. Uh, Jasper's yes, Ben Schwartz episode. Yes. There are three songs. Um, two shots is the rap. Yes. Uh, yes or whatever is like the pop punk. Yeah. Earworm, and then three dots from stardom is like the sad ballad, but also the most relatable. Uh, very sad. And I, I gotta say like, so after party spoilers here, if you haven't watched the show's been out for months, yeah, go, but it, go away and then come back. <laughs> it's still, it still kind of breaks my heart that Jasper is the killer. And I was like, Ben Schwartz is so engaging. And I think the trick of the show is that his episode is so winning and he's so charming in these songs that you're kind of thrown off the scent a little bit because you're like, well, this guy, I like this guy too much. He can't have done it. And then he ends but up. It also that. makes sense at the end when Totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the songs are awesome. All three of them are fabulous. I I love uh, I I love Yeah Sure Whatever the most. I think it's actually like the greatest song, plus uh, incredible. It's, it's, chore- it's, I think it's the catchiest. Definitely the catchiest. Incredible cho- <laughs> choreography. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm weighing on that. Uh, three dots is a lot of fun. All of those are great Ben Schwartz performances. I just think they're uh, so good. He's so so good in these songs and singing the songs. Um, yeah. I don't yeah, know. We're basically I, saying like nominate for this, these songs, but no, the songs, I don't know if they'll submit all three. <sighs> what do you think? I mean, I think yeah, sure. Whatever is probably like the breakout, maybe two shots. I, I love all of them for different reasons. <laughs> so like two shots reminds me of like uh pop star, never stop stopping. Sounds like a, a song that you would maybe hear there. It's a great song. 
a little bit of like a lonely island vibe to it to me i guess it did well like. i mean two shots is is like a pastiche of my shot and lose herself right but yeah. like through like a lonely, i just, I just yeah. it sounded like lonely island to me um and then yeah yeah sure whatever is it is it's it's that like yeah pop punk jam mm-hmm. um i don't they cut some at all three i don't I don't know. I mean, last year, Agatha all along won. So do we have any like that this year? Like a breakout hit like that? No, not really. I mean, we have Hawkeye um, with Save the City, which did not break out the same way, but also another deserving nominee. I think it can get in. I yeah. definitely did not break out like uh, Agatha all along. But. No, it, it deserved more love. And um, also uh, that was... Uh, co-written by Mark Shaman, who got in last year for a song from Soundtrack of Our Lives. <laughs> <laughs> and he wrote Save the City from Hawkeye. So there's an original song, Joyce, in uh, Winning Time, it looks like in the finale that Nicholas Fratell has a co-writing credit on as well. I'm watching uh, it, but I saw that yesterday. Yeah, I don't. This this shows how much I it, how memorable it was to me because I watched the finale. Well, it could get Nickley. It could get him a second Emmy nomination. I guess we'll see. Um, I'm trying to think what other original songs we didn't mention. The flight attendant. That music is great. I think the score is good, and obviously, like a lot of good. Uh, yeah, and he won for theme last year. Um, mm-hmm. so, well, this is us has that super sad Mandy Moore song from last week, or right? Weeks ago. That's um, co-written by her husband. Mm-hmm. Taylor Goldsmith. Um, and there's that, well, this is like main title theme, but like that or um Imagine Dragon song from Arcane. That's mm-hmm. like a main title that's like a hit now. How about uh you were mentioning earlier for an original song, the uh Saturday Night Live Squid Game song? Oh yeah, I I watched that. I think that might get in. Um, I'm not really feeling it, but um, like, like I, I'm not like a, a huge fan of it, but I think that's something that like they could just vote for. That was from, I think like October or something. Um, and like squid game, I think we'll get in for score itself. It probably will. I think you got to save a spot for squid game and save a spot for succession. So now you're, we're, yeah. we're filling up spots on score. Yeah. Um, and then other, yeah, there's multiple euphoria songs. Like we said. So if I was picking, I'd actually pick Elliot's song because it's, it factors heavily, like, it's like a full, they play the whole thing in the episode uh, and he's singing it to uh, Zendaya's character and it's just a really good moment. And I think, I overthink this, we do this with the Oscars too, but I do think there is something to say, but this, this song is like a factor in the, in the, the body of the show rather than just like a credit song or something. So I always, I personally like it when it is in the show. I mean, I think most songs at the Emmys are in the show. Yeah. You know? Well, the after party ones for sure are. Yeah. Um, I'm looking, what else did I write down here? Oh, Schmigadoo. And that you love that. What what song would you vote for? I don't remember. I gotta think, I don't remember actually any individual songs, but there are a lot of good ones. There's a great one. Um, Aaron Tevitt has a great one that I thought was a lot of fun. Uh Ariane DeBose has a <laughs> I don't remember the names, so uh, I'll, I'll look them up now. Uh, Scintillating okay. stuff. 
But that, um, that there's a lot of great original music in that. How about and Girls Five Eva? We didn't mention either. Uh, that comes out this week, so uh, it didn't get in last year for music at all. So and it really should. I feel like uh, I, I yeah I don't know what to make of it because it's it's on Peacock and yeah it doesn't seem like they're watching it or I mean like not specifically to show but like Peacock you know. Right. Um, so there's the Aaron Tevitt song is you can't tame me really great, uh, song from the first episode. Uh, let me see what else. There's a lot of cast ones with all your heart as Ariana DeBose and the kids of Schmigadoon. I thought that one was really fun. Um, but they didn't, they didn't write these songs. They just performed them. No, they just performed them. Yeah. yeah. But these are all original songs, um, that are quite, quite fun. Uh, Jane Krakowski sings when I always, always never get my man. Another, like, just a winning, winning track. It's, it's good. The, the music in the show is, is quite good. I feel like it came out so long ago, people maybe need to go back. I mean, it came out in the summer of last year. So a little. And Apple has been through so much since then. <laughs> yeah, they won an Oscar choice. They had multiple <laughs> shows, but I do know they're going to like push this one and rightly so. It is a solid, I re, I, it's a very enjoyable show. And I, I, I do like it. I also, Barry, it's like one of the things I just, this is, this is another aside, but like, it, it's a Barry Sonnenfeld movie, basically. He did all six episodes. It's like Barry Sonnenfeld's a great director. Just like here he is. It's, here he is. He got a whole thing, a whole season of TV directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. Are you saying this is like an eight episode movie, or I don't even know how long it is? <laughs> it's six episodes. But I mean, it's not like a movie because it does feel like a TV show, but it is. I like when like a major director is just like has done something and it's just like, oh, here it is. It's just always cracks me up. Uh, different time choice now. Huh. Um, so, so two shows. Uh, maybe not the most acclaimed shows, but uh, one is a former series nominee, and they both have songs. Emily in Paris and mm-hmm. The Witcher, they have songs. Okay, I don't know if they'll get in, but they have songs. Okay, <laughs> just, just listing shows of songs. That's good. We love shows. <laughs> we love shows with songs. Uh, and yeah. then any anything else? And we haven't really seen anything. I mean, anything else coming up here? I guess like. Hacks is coming back. We could get Hack, I mean the hack score is, is good. Really um, good. Love the hack score. Um nothing else real. What else is premiering? Not a lot else. And I mean Stranger Things. Stranger Things will be a big one, I think. But yeah. we already talked about that for the music. The staircase. Yeah. Stair- How's that music? Have you noticed? You were more ahead of yeah, me. Yeah. Well, I haven't finished the screeners yet, but um, yeah, no, it was good. The the show itself is is really good, and I think it's like if if you've seen the the docu series, like this is a a good companion to that. Um, it's obviously scripted, but it's less about like solving the case than it is about like the trial and everything. Right. Um, but yeah, the the music's good in that. Um, and I don't know what else is in May. I feel like there's like a lot of shows, but I can't think of any. Well, I don't, there's a lot of like, I feel like, like we said, like hacks and like a lot of the shows are wrapping up and you have stranger things. There's not as many like high profile dramas seemingly premiering now between now and the end under the banner of heaven just premiered this week or last week. So that that, can maybe that, that's in. good music too. That yep. um, as, as any, I, I think as with anything else with the Emmy choice, there are, countless there are countless shows and nominations possible here and it's going to be a real uh a lot of great scores songs and music supervision that are just not even considered we need to revisit this after the ballots yeah we see what they submit yeah and then we can narrow it down i think that's a great idea and also this is just an excuse for us to talk about the succession score which is uh, what's what's your favorite track 
um the raid the raid it is the raid it's yeah. so good it's the best one because even when when i watched that episode i was like like it's it's like the last like three minutes because it's juxtaposed with him sitting in the control room mm-hmm. um kendall in the control room and then you know jerry coming in to like yell at logan's like they're coming now you know? so good and it's yeah it's like three minutes and i was like this slaps like it's really great uh yeah. it's it, it and i love the uh yeah, I just love that one. I think it's it's so good, Joyce. So we're we're going to shift here now to talk about Doctor Strange, not not a TV show, in the multiverse of madness. We're we're not doing a TV show right now. It's a movie, not on it Disney. Has, Plus. It has a great score. Has a great score by Danny Elfman. Uh, we're not going to spoil it because I don't think we're allowed to. But the uh, the embargo is up on reviews. You and I both saw it last night in different theaters because it was so crowded at the press screening. Had I had the Superior Theater though because you did. there were a lot of empty seats. Yeah, I had. I our theater was crowded. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on Dr. Strange? It was fun. Um, I enjoyed it. I, it's not like a perfect movie, but it was fun. A lot of horror stuff. You know, they, they let Sam Raimi do this thing. There's like one, se- <clears throat> excuse me. There's one sequence, but it's just like full on horror. And I was like laughing my ass off. Like a, a lot of the other stuff is just like, Oh, LOL. It's like, obviously like, you know, the horror element is there, but there's one, I'm just like, he's, he's, they're just like, let him go like wild in here, Sam. <laughs> it was it's an interesting movie because I felt like my thought, I, I really liked it too. I actually think to free from, there's a lot of twists and turns and like big reveals and stuff, whatever that are like now customary in a Marvel movie. I feel like every movie now is like Spider-Man no way home style. Like here's a shocking cameo that you didn't expect or you, you can uh, uh, Google a lot of the, the surprises. None, right. <laughs> um, I will say as a movie though, I was like, mo- I really, really thought this was like one of the better like Marvel movies as like I've seen in a while. I like really enjoyed it. I thought like the raminess of it was really good. It, it was, he is a real, like no offense to people who make the Marvel movies, obviously, but he has such a uh, directorial like style that is very notable. And a lot of times in the Marvel movies, they do not the first, they feel like a factory assembled kind of thing, or like they're not as. Yeah. It, it feels like it's like made by a committee. Right, which is not bad because the committee does a great job. These movies are actually pretty solid across the board. But this one reminded me, I guess, of what like a lot of the the press going into Eternals was like, oh man, it's really a Chloe Zhao movie, and like you're gonna really do it. And it's like the movie wasn't great, couldn't really t- it just. Uh, there were like a couple of practical locations that I guess you could be like, well, that's a Chloe Zhao thing. But like on the whole, Kevin Feige discovered a practical location shooting cinematography. <laughs> that's basically it. And on the whole, like there's not much difference between Eternals and like Captain Marvel and like the first, like they all are like very obviously like Marvel movies. This definitely felt like a Sam Raimi movie to me more so than anything else. And I appreciated that it's a pretty quick watch. I don't think it's more than two hours. I, it, with credits, it's like two hours and like six minutes or whatever. So I'm, and, I'm obviously you're going to sit through the credits. Yeah. There's and it jumps right in. Credits. I feel like a lot of people like last night after movie I was talking to were like, oh, the first maybe 20 minutes or so, I was like, it's just generic Marvel. And then it like really kicks in. But I was like, that beginning of the movie is so fast and like kind of just really does a good job of establishing just what the stakes are basically. And then you're just like launched into this. Like it's, it kind of, yeah, there's me- no, there's no like, like first act set up really um there's i mean i guess you could say like the opening is sort of a prologue a little uh, bit yeah but it reminded but, me it reminded me of to me like because i also saw people being like you mentioned like there are horror elements it is definitely the 
most PG-13 Marvel movie, I think. Like, there's a lot of violence. I don't think it's scary, though. It's not, not scary. scary at all. Take but it's case. like, it's like violent, though, in a yeah. cartoon way, but definitely violent in like a, a funny way, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it reminded me of like, the whole thing reminded me of like uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, because that was like a PG-13 movie that was like pushing the Indiana Jones franchise to the edge, made for kids, but like kids who were seeing it were like, oh, this is pretty intense, right? Certainly like I was like, it was an intense movie. And similarly to Indiana Jones, there's not a lot of like, the setup is basically like, here's Indiana Jones. We're going to send them on an adventure. And this felt like Dr. Strange similarly, like was like, it's sort of, it's connected to the previous movies. And like they mentioned, obviously Spider-Man and they obviously WandaVision factors heavily into the plot, but mostly it's just as like, here's like a one-off like movie about Dr. Strange on an adventure. And it's really fun. It just really works. Yeah, it's fun. Um, and it's 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 fitting that we're talking about this today, May 3rd, the 20th anniversary of the first Spider-Man. Yeah. It yeah. felt like, I mean, it did feel like way more like this Raimi Spider-Man movies than like a Marvel movie. Yeah. And I also, um, in, in like their canon universe, I was like that their New York City feels like a Spider-Man New York City, like a Sam Raimi Spider-Man New York mm-hmm. City. It, it felt a lot like that. I would say like performance wise, Benedict Cumberbatch is hilarious. I think this is really, so I didn't like the first Doctor Strange at all. I think it's like one of the least successful Marvel movies. Wow, along with, you liked it or no? I mean, it's not like my favorite, but I liked it. And my friends and I say uh, Dormammu to each other. All the I, time. I thought uh, Dormammu have come to bargain. <laughs> I, uh, okay, that, that part's pretty fine, but I felt like I just didn't like the movie that much. And I thought the character worked better in Avengers Endgame and, and that's true. Yeah. Yeah. The other movies. One, I feel like he's, he's more settled and they know how to write him. Yeah. It kind of feels like what happened with Thor on like a lower level. Yes, exactly. You know, they I realized the they have to stop thing. making Thor like Shakespearean and like Chris Hemsworth is actually funny and hilarious and he should be doing more comedy. Um, yeah. It kind of feels like that with Benedict a little, but I think like Elizabeth Olsen was the MVP. She was just on fire. She was great. A, a really tricky performance. Can't really talk about it, but I, you obviously, if you're watching, you know that they they meet people in the multiverse. There, you know, there's obviously other other versions of these characters out there. Uh, she's awesome in it as well. It really kind of paid off the WandaVision stuff. And I was saying, I think I texted you. I'm like, too bad this wasn't last year because this would have been a great Emmy reel for her to have out to win Best Actress in a Limited Series or at least compete against uh, Kate and Anya Taylor Joy because she's great in this. Yeah, she's great. I don't. I, I feel like I don't know if they'll ever like award a Marvel performance of Emmys, but that's a different story. No, but and- um, yeah, no, she's really it's it's like like it's like her WandaVision performance, but obviously, you know, she became Scarlet Witch at the end, so it's more sinister in a way, but you also understand what she's trying to do. Um, and some of her line readings are really funny, even though it's like played serious. But like she knew what she was doing. (laughs) It's very fun. I would say like this is also as a movie. I think we've seen a lot. Like even I was saying this before we before with one of my friends before the movie. I was like Marvel used to be like an event, and obviously they've kind of like de-eventized the the stuff by just becoming pervasive in the market. So like Moon Knight like is airing every week, and there's always there's it's never Marvel is never not in, in our lives because there's like a show or a movie every like few months that every that you have to watch and it's getting tighter and tighter. And it's kind of making the experience feel like slightly less unique or just as exciting. That said, I was like, Dr. Strange really does pay off 
the connectivity between like the platforms. So it's like, you really do need to watch or at least know of WandaVision, I think to have the, this movie emotionally land, which I thought was like, they finally, like, it was a great way to like connect. Uh, yeah. Connect like the TV to the movies. And I'll be curious to see like when we do a Thor, Thor four uh, love and thunder later, this, uh, this year, how they like, do they like weave in Loki stuff and that, even though obviously Loki is. Well, Loki is connected to Doctor Strange because they, they open the multiverse. True. But it's also, I think you could connect him to Thor. I don't know. We'll see. But I was just like, well, I was very when, when I talked to Tom Hiddleston, not, not to <laughs> gloat about that one. And I brought up the Thor trailer and he, he just said that Loki has the range and he, he could be in the movie as Matt Damon, which we know he's in there because we've seen photos from the set. Sure. Or Alligator Loki or Richard E. Grant. Right. So, uh, yeah, no, I really like that. Uh, the other person I was really great with, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher her name. I want to say it's Octil uh, uh, Gomez. Oh, it's uh, Zoshi. Zoshi. Zoshi Gomez. Yeah. Uh, wonderful performance. So she plays America Chavez, who's a a multiverse hopping character. I don't really know much about these Marvel characters, Joyce, outside of the movies, but obviously, like, <laughs> pretty thing. She was great on Babysitters Club, uh, the first season. I I I, lo- I loved her on that and. Just great. I thought really well, uh, well matched with Cumberbatch, not a precocious child actor type. It felt like very realistic performance and yeah. very entertaining character. And I thought all of that worked really well. I, I really enjoyed her presence in the movie. Yeah, she felt like very organic and she fit in right away. And there, and like, you know, like what you were saying before, like they just like get into it. Like there's n- no like weird awkward banter really like they kind of get through that pretty quickly after like a a battle (laughs) yeah but there's nothing like he he doesn't like there's there's no sort of like um like slightly like like annoyed like antagonism like from strange to her or anything you know how he's like annoyed with like peter parker yeah there's like none of that well you know what's funny is i feel like between so that's maybe the thing i like about like they found the sweet spot with the character. So like Dr. Strange movie, I think he's a jerk. Right. And like, kind of like they position him as like the jerk Tony Stark type. And then in Avengers infinity war, he's a jerk also, but it's funny because like the byplay between him, Downey and, and, and Tom Holland is really good. But then in Spider-Man and stuff, I kind of, they figured out a way to like soften him a little to be more annoyed than like a jerk. I feel like, and that you get in this movie. I feel like well, he's more he annoyed. Like spell, so right. I feel like he's more annoyed. I don't know. I, I thought this was like this was like a good a good calibration of the strange character. Should should he win an Oscar for this? Are you happy he didn't win for Power of the Dog, so he can win an Oscar for Doctor Strange? <laughs> he shouldn't win an Oscar for Doctor Strange, but I did say to a couple of people, I was like, he's better in his than he is in Power of the Dog. I, he <laughs> just gets to do a lot in here. He really does, and it's just like he's so. I think it just pays off what he's really. You know, Power of the Dog was a great performance because it's like not what you would expect from Benedict Cumberbatch, right? Like, I mean, I think like if you have like he's like going against type or whatever in that performance, and this is much more comfortably in his wheelhouse. But it's, he's so good at this type of material that I found it like really compelling because he gets to be like very, very dry and funny, and also like kind of has a little bit of an emotional heft behind it, so it's not all quips. But he is so good at that. And I think he's really, uh, he really nails it. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also other versions of Strange. Yeah. That's in the trailer. So you can say that there are other versions of Strange uh, that he's yeah. 
he delights in playing. And again, I was like, this is a this is a boom time for Marvel play having uh, actors play multiple parts. So we're seeing that with Oscar Isaac on Moon Knight right now, where he's doing two at least characters at, at once. Uh, and I was like, oh, that he's really great. And I was like, Benedict really does a good job. There's a part. This is not really a spoiler again because I think it's in the trailer. But there's a part where he comes face to face with another uh, dimensional being of himself, right? Like towards the back half of the movie. And I was like, oh, he's really kind of, you know, they they feel different. The, the 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 flavors of strange feel different here. And I thought that was pretty impressive. Well, he's an actor. And he is an actor. Yeah. <laughs> other person I would want to highlight was going into this movie. I was like, you know, Rachel McAdams is in the original movie, kind of had not much to do. And I was like, they she have has really a lot prom- to do here. She does. And I was like, they promoted her in a way that I was like, I don't think she's going to be in it very much. And she was in it more than I expected and is really quite fun. So Rachel McAdams yeah. spotlight follow-up nomination, maybe just. I no, I really, I mean, I thought she was, she was good in the first one, but it very much felt like the stock, like love interest character. And it wasn't a lot. They're not going to work out. Um, I mean, you see that she's getting married in the trailer. Like that's like, I think like the second shot in the trailer. So that's Mm -hmm. not a spoiler, but um, yeah, she gets to do a lot more here. And it kind of feels like similar to how they got like Natalie Portman back for Thor Love and Thunder. I mean, obviously, you know, Jane becomes Mighty Thor. But it's it's like, yeah, we're going to give you more to do. Please come back. Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly what they're doing, right? With some of these people, like we didn't we didn't do right by you the first time around. So come back and we'll make sure you have a, like a meaty role to play. And mm-hmm. so that was a lot of fun. Uh, it's a great as for where it like positions the the cinematic universe. I don't really know. I mean, it felt like it's bottled enough where it could just be like a fun kind of standalone thing. Like it doesn't have as much like tearing at the fabric of humanity or reality as like Spider-Man did even they referenced the Spider-Man no way home uh, event, but not like in de- great detail. So, I mean, I'll be curious to see what like Marvel does here as they continue down the multiverse path. I mean, they can do anything cause it's the multiverse. So it, right. it doesn't have to be on the sacred timeline. So, right. Um, this is why we need Loki season two. Like yeah. Now. They're going to, I think they're filming the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it back. Cause I need the Loki stuff to connect we, it all we need back. The score. Together. Well, yeah. And like Natalie wouldn't even say if she was like returning for season two. I'm like, you better be. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, that's it. Anything else on on uh, on Doctor Strange before we wrap Doctor up? Doctor Strange or music? <laughs> Doctor Strange music, we could say is great. Like we said, Daniel. Doctor Strange music is great. Um, the the makeup is great. So uh, makeup nom next year for Doctor Strange. <laughs> so I would say if we're looking at Oscar noms next year, uh, certainly best picture. No, Uh no, makeup, I think, would be good score and special effects. It's funny. At one point, I was like, again, I, sometimes the Marvel effects just aren't what you want, I would say. Yes, but then yeah. Black Widow. Black Widow is called to mind for sure. Um, and then this one, I was like, in the beginning, I was like a little iffy on it. But then it really kind of pays off at the end. I think there's a lot of cool effects. So I think it could definitely be in the conversation in visual effects. So there are multiple Marvel movies this year. It'll, it'll make the, the, the short list. And then we'll see. Yeah. And the score, I think, should be. I, I, I don't know if the score would make the short list because there's probably 100 movies coming out between now and then that will have amazing scores. Or more I, serious I, movies. Yeah. But I did really enjoy the, the Danny Elfman score. I thought it was quite fun and great cinematography by John Matheson, who I think won at least one Oscar. Let me see. I think he won for Gladiator. Let me see. Yeah. Because it's. 
like he goes through like multiple i mean then yeah like every every multiverse looks different enough and it's not like like uh that that kind of marvel look you're used to yeah it it, like again it reminded me all the stuff that we they used in the promo for eternals i feel like they've kind of soft pedaled on dr strange but would be wise to go out there and be like this is like entirely different than what you expect from Marvel movies. I discovered cinematography. (laughs) It was so John Matheson did not win Joyce, but he was nominated for Gladiator and that immortal classic Phantom of the Opera. So he's a two-time nominee. Um, But I thought the cinematography was great. Uh, Really fun. He also did Mary Queen of Scots and Logan. So it has some, uh, some bona fides, at least in the superhero space. Yeah. um, I, I can see this like, I don't know. I don't know what the reviews have been like because I haven't read them this morning yet. Uh, I, I was looking, Joyce. They're they're pretty solid. Uh, a lot of people are like very excited about the raminess of it. So yeah, I think people will be excited about that. But I think um, if you're kind of like used to the Marvel fair, this will like be a little different. So I could see it having like some mixed reactions. Yeah, but again, and I keep I hate to harp on Eternals, but again, I feel like it's a little different in a way that's more amenable to what people expect from Marvel than Eternals was. Yeah. I mean, Eternals had like, it's different. I mean, we, we talked about this in yeah. Like, November. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that story also had issues um, yeah. because it was just entirely like getting the gang together. Um, and this, it just starts out, they, they get the gang together in like the first 10 minutes. <laughs> it's really, really kind of kicks in. Uh, and it was for, for those of you who watch these movies and are like, why are Marvel movies two and a half hours now? I, like I said, the, the brevity of the length here compared to a lot of recent Marvel movies, including Eternals, uh, it's going to be, is a breath of fresh air, I would say <laughs> for the, the series. Yeah, two hours. Um, it's it's shorter than Pair of the Dog by like two minutes. <laughs> so next year at the Oscars, Wanda Sykes will not be able to dunk on it, I guess. Yes, exactly. Uh, what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joyce, all right, so we're going to wrap up here. Uh, we'll be back later this week with another Oscars playback. No, no Marvel in the ceremony, though. No, but uh, it's going to be the, I think we said the 1995 Oscars, which is a Pulp Fiction versus Forrest Gump. I, I feel I've like been, I feel like you you cried in one of them. I probably definitely cried in but I have not watched Forrest Gump in a very long time. But uh, <laughs> I, this is I, I was looking at the, this is a year where there are uh, absolutely ten nominees that we will find. I think it's a it's a robust yeah. year, a lot of great movies in addition to great movies that were actually nominated for Best Picture. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. This is also the Uma Oprah ceremony, Joyce. Yes, with Dave. We haven't. I'll work on my Letterman impression, I guess, uh, between now and tomorrow. Uh, (laughs) All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon, Joyce. Bye. For all things Hollywood competition and award season, head to goldderby.com and follow us on social media at goldderby. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.